Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 203, Winter Has Come. And we have our recurring... I'm going to have to upgrade you to co-host soon, I really am. Yes, reporting from the side of the highway in Australia, it's Brad. And he's left Mike just twisting in the air there. Generally an indication that you've finished talking and you'd like to hand over to one of the other people at this point is useful. Yeah, we're going to have to start going over or beat. (laughs) (laughs) Mimic the old style radio. Believe me, there are many things I could say which would cause the word beep to be inserted instead. Good evening, good afternoon or good morning everybody. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. This is being recorded on a Friday afternoon, more like a Friday evening for Alan, a Saturday morning for Brad. <laughs> uh, we could follow IRC's rule of UGT, Universal Greeting Time, to avoid spamming up the uh, feed with a ton of people indicating what time it is for them. When someone joins, it's morning. When someone leaves, it's night. Yeah, but this is an audio podcast that's going to be listened to any time of the day. So, it, you know. Fair enough. Well, you just abbreviate into good day morning. Yeah, but in theory, people could think we're just doing a bad Jamaican accent. Yeah, I think we're really overcomplicating it here. Oh, yes, I just got that click. (laughs) (laughs) You've had a busy work then? Oh, I had Wednesday night off. I get home, cook a roast, and then get a phone call at half past seven. Oh, I need you to work in the morning. (laughs) There goes that plan. I thought, oh, that's all right. Work then and Thursday night. Have the night off. Beauty. Get home, have a shower, phone call. Oh, I need you to work in the morning. <laughs> no. All or nothing, isn't it? Because mm, I've had a 24-hour break on that Wednesday. It means I can go out and work the next six days now. <laughs> Should have the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday morning off. Now, I was hoping I'd be able to do this one. At the very least, this is probably one of the episodes I watched the most from Season 2. You there, Alan? Yep. Well, hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I come with there, but nothing was being said. Yeah, because I've discovered that the uh, volume control doesn't work under this operating system. Unless I reduce the volume to two, you deafen me. Right. Yeah, I ran ISPSpeedTest.com yesterday. It's even faster than I thought it was. According to ISP speed test, checking my link between here and Helsinki, my ping time is 14 milliseconds. My download and upload rate are the same. At 30 megabits, that's with a T, not a teen. And just to think, I was paying 40 euro a month more for internet that ran at roughly, ooh, a 30th of that speed. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ian. And I'm Jonathan. And I'm Rem, inviting you to join us for the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, a weekly review and exploration of the sci-fi movies that we all love. Ever wonder why Stanley Kubrick removed A Clockwork Orange from distribution in the UK? Why did Ridley Scott's Alien have no eyes? Or who's the better dread, Sylvester Stallone or Carl Urban? Judgment time. And why do I hate The Fifth Element so much? Uh, really? Don't even get me started. Follow us on Facebook at Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. The Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Subscribe in iTunes or visit our website at scifimoviepodcast.com. That was the promo for the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, a show I've only just started listening to. In fact, I've only heard the Superman and Paul episode so far, but I've enjoyed both of them. 
The show is a friendly and casual yet entertaining look at the movies with some praise and criticism. Give them a go and see what you think. Right. Oh, bloody hell, that starts quick. It does. There's no warning. Just, yeah. It's just like, vroom. <laughs> yep. Sit, day, good file. Good pedal jumper. No, I'm talking to VLC. Have you tweeted, Mike? Nope. Right. Never going to get used to the fact that to get an at symbol on a finished keyboard, you need to press the Alt GR button and 2. <laughs> in fact, to get a forward slash, it's Shift 7. I remember in um, 2004, my mind went over to Iraq to serve six months, and he thought he was smart because he brought a laptop over there for really cheap until he got out of the wrapping and found all the keys had Arabic on them. It wasn't an English Arabic keyboard. Sort of knew where the basic keys were, but other stuff. Yeah, he had a lot of fun trying to figure all that out. Don't buy a laptop in a foreign country unless you're either prepared to use the given keyboard layout or you know how to touch type. My finger hovereth over the spacebar. Do other people's finger hovereth equally over the spacebar? Just wanted to see how long you could hold your finger out before your arm started shaking. Not an issue because uh, the spacebar is on the computer desk, on the keyboard, and my hand is actually resting on the arm of the chair. So. Right then, we all good to go? Indeed. Right. Three, two, one, film. Straight in. Yeah. Nice close-up shot of the jumper. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. It's about time they moved them rear seats a bit inward, because they're always having to lean over, so camera can see them. <laughs> and even with the inertial dampers, this whole flying thing is best done on an empty stomach. Yeah, well, I've got a pretty strong stomach. Hey, I can eat frozen dinners without thawing, and sometimes it even affects me. Okay. And Rodney Lecture and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, they filmed this without the glass in the jumper. And as they pointed out in the commentary, there weren't that many reflections in space, so they didn't have to worry about that. Mm. Well, the database is uh, over 10,000 years old. You can bet things have changed around here. Shepard. A bit disturbing, though, that the sensors didn't pick up all this metal line out there. Yeah. That's a nice shot. They visually spotted it. Yeah. Is that something you see every day? There was a great battle here. Thank you, Captain Obvious. No, it's just bad parking. <laughs> that is a hive ship. That was a hive ship. Something put a lot of holes in it, all right. We should check it out. Oh, what if whatever put holes in it wants to put holes in us? It's a very valid question. <laughs> yeah, but you don't get anywhere by being cautious. Go on. Mm. Yes, you do. You get to stay alive. <laughs> and considering they know that ancient text being still survives after 10,000 years, you'd think that'd be more conscious. That's one desolated planet. Very one night. Matt Payton, too. This is what usually happens when you fight back. These folks took out a fleet of Wraith ships. I'd say they did a pretty good job fighting back. Hold on. I'm picking up faint energy readings. Coming from... There. Yeah, they added the lightning effect just to kind of liven up the image. The jumper's got dampeners built in so you can't really show turbulence mm. but a quick flash of lightning that uh, works just as well puzzled <laughs> yes puzzled. explain okay maybe slightly stylized look of ancient technology but still a pretty big leap for mckay to say they are ancient yeah it looks nothing like that <laughs> it's a push just to say it's anything but just ruins mm. and uncanny how they end up in the one place that they really need to find on the planet <laughs> All right then, Trinity, Season 2, Episode 6, Stargate Atlantis, Gatecast, Episode 203. The story was written by Damien Kindler and directed by Martin Wood. At its US premiere, August the 19th, 2005. We got it in the UK, November the 23rd. 
No dates for Canada or Australia, but the French got it April the 8th, 2006. Spain, November the 16th, 2006. Sweden, May 25th, 2007. And Japan, September the 5th, 2007. I could only find two shows with episodes of the same name. Jag and Animal Cops. <laughs> I was shocked. Trinity. Come on, I thought it'd be used more. I thought it'd be iconic. Yeah. I, I even... I went with the... I didn't take the easy option in the tweet referencing it. Mm. Yeah, now by this time, they think they'd stopped going on, on Australian TV. I was well on the DVD hire and uh, buying by now. Yeah. That ladder looks ridiculously out of place. <laughs> Seriously, the ancients have a ladder to the control room. Even the Enterprise had a little lift between levels. <laughs> well, you'd think it's only an access point to the roof. Oh, well, then lead with your gun hand. Yet the ancestors made no mention of their presence here in the database. Why? Well, let's find out. Can you power it up? Working on it. Bit of a Halloween episode at the moment, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, like Aventuroids and Long Spooky Corridor. Yeah. Mm. Now, this set is uh, based on the Aurora ancient space design, which is going to be used in a later episode. Oh, yep. I got two bodies here. If you want to call them bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I got three more over here. Whatever happened here, no one came back to claim the dead. The story was originally Ooh. written to be on a super weapons satellite. Unfortunately, they learned that they destroyed that set. <laughs> yeah, something killed them. Something killed everyone on this world. Why is this outpost, if that's what it is, still intact? Doesn't make sense. What do you think, Rodney? Ha! Sorry, I uh, wasn't listening, but it, it just struck me that this is an ancient outpost. Why would the Wraith leave it intact? Yes. Why would the Wraith leave it intact? It's <laughs> mm. a good question. Why is that console covered in dust but nothing else seems to be? I know it looks good, but... Yeah. <laughs> Stop footage. Shot number three. God, how old is that woman in the ponytail? She looks like a little kid. I didn't see that. No, me too. The walk and talk. Them team got time to uh, drop the weapons off at the armory. <laughs> you really think Ronald ever there. drops his weapon off anywhere? No, that is to him. <laughs> Had to be. There's nothing on the planet that suggests the Duranids had anything capable of inflicting anywhere near that much damage. Or it was totally destroyed. Didn't leave any remains. They didn't save the Duranids. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the outpost was still standing, and that means, uh, well, I'm not sure what that means, but it means something definitely worth finding out. Colonel? He's right. It's definitely worth sending a research team back. But, well, give me um, Optican Collins and uh, Zelenka if he's over the uh, stomach flu. Well, we'll try to access the uh, computer's logbook, see if we can decipher them. Once okay, that's... okay. Easy sell. Go. Yes, he's old. Woohoo! Yeah, he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got a new toy to play with. Taylor, um, I heard you're heading off world on a personal mission. To Balkan, yes. Sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Ronan doesn't want to explore the old yeah. scientific laboratory. Hmm. This story was written before Jason was cast. One thing Damien Kindler was pleased about that his dialogue suited Jason. He referred to this look as I could kill you or we could go surfing. <laughs> Pretty much Ronan in a nutshell. Don't get me wrong, but uh sometimes you feel the need to go somewhere else. Anywhere else. I know the feeling. No. Bring only weapons you can conceal. Sensible <laughs> <laughs> enough to ask him to not ask him not to bring any weapons. Like, yeah, but he can conceal <laughs> weapons. It's a big boat. <laughs> See later, he does hide them everywhere. Yep. I'm sure, I am absolutely sure that there has been a lot of fanfic about where. Ronan conceals stuff. 
I'm telling you, at least 0.09%. Oh, please, please, move the decimal place. I mean, it's, 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 it's impossible, for guys. We sake. figured out what this is. No, no, I wouldn't say no, no, we have a theory. But we don't know yet. No, but based on the shielding around the chamber, what else could it be? Have you tried turning it on? Ready. Yay. Just wind these pair up and let them go. Yep. They brought quite a bit of uh, yeah, equipment to this laboratory. You'd think most of this would be there already. Cool. See that? See? See the way he lights up at the mention of that? It's like Dr. Vogel at the mention of pastries. They found out a way to soup up their space gun. Yes, but it, it's much more than that. Well, the sticking point is that there's uh, no tie between the power generator and the primary capacitor. Yeah, meaning they would have to channel the power directly into the weapon. Which, I'm sure, means nothing to you. Means they could fire multiple bursts without having to store up more power for the next firing sequence. <laughs> yes. Very good. Which leads me back to cool. Yes, but it only makes sense if we're right. About what? Uh, you'll figure it out, lad. Yep. Damn it. Not yet. Oh, come on, Mickey. You read the equations. What else could it be? An ancient typo? Well, we know they're not perfect because they're all dead. Look, I just, I just, I don't want you to get all excited over nothing. Oh, maybe you're right. All right, I'll give you a hint. It seems that the ancients were experimenting with high-energy physics on a level that we've never seen before. Wow. Yes, wow. I just, I want to be sure. Not <laughs> as stupid as I look. Yeah, I cannot feel superior anymore. At least in the next couple of minutes. A minute? Oh, please. Three, five seconds. Up. You gotta love Rodney. I mean, this whole episode is about his arrogance. Mm -hmm. Entirely justified. You turn my people into nothing more than indentured slaves to serve your farms. It would seem that you have nothing else of value to trade but your people. Now, you notice the guy in the background on the left-hand side of the screen just been off. That is not the character. Yeah. That wasn't even a lot of shots. Film three weeks after this shot. If you had something of more value to offer, technology, weapons. You've heard my terms. Chris Gauche, that's how his surname's pronounced. Then our business is done here. <laughs> Holy crap. That's one way to make a point. <laughs> Negotiating 101. Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, I'm taller than you. Yep. Hendon is played by Barry Green. Unfortunately, a lot of his scenes were cut for time, so you didn't get much of the negotiation. When you get much of Vincent, was he out filming on Eureka? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was supposed to be in the background shot, but because he wasn't there, they put a stand in. <laughs> Looks like it's festival day with all the bunting out. Oh. Hey, oh, Taylor doesn't look very happy. I had the situation under control. It didn't look like it. Oh. Have faith, Ronan. Have faith. You have no idea what is at stake during these negotiations. My people depend on me. They were taking advantage of you. No, they were not. That is what I wanted them to think. A negotiation is a delicate process. The words spoken are often meaningless. You're not that tall that she still can't kick you in the nuts, mate. <laughs> she probably shouldn't have taken it. <laughs> and that is the aura I said, isn't it? Yeah. Now, you know why that's put? Because a guy that size running up that many steps will be out of breath. <laughs> Take five, have a drink. It was a mistake to force Hendon's hand. You'll only pay for it next time. I know. Your friend is not a Thosian? No. Ronan is the only survivor of a world known as Satida. He saved the life of a friend of mine. In return, we offered him sanctuary. If Satida is his homeworld, then he is not the only survivor. There is a man in this village who also claims to be from there. It does make sense why they cast him now. After that brief appearance, you wonder, well, why did the bother with standing? Why didn't they just get a different actor? Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is a reasonable guest spot for an actor of his calibre. Mm -hmm. I've said we've seen him in Eureka in the recurring role of Vincent, also on Once Upon a Time in Smallville. I take it you found something interesting. Interesting? 
How about the greatest discovery of all time? He's pretty excited. <laughs> so I hear. He couldn't even wait till he got back. That's good Wi-Fi. <laughs> no patience at all, has he? He's probably already uh, tried to patent it. Yeah, <laughs> copyright Rodney McKay 2010. Yes. Just in case I die on my way back to the planet, I want my name stamped on the uh, report. Transferring data. Care to fill me in so I can be excited too? It's a weapon. It is much, much more than a weapon. We think we've stumbled across the ancients' last great discovery. It was too late to win the war for them, but I think if I can finish the work they started, then... What is it? Is the ultimate power source. Something that would make zero-point modules seem like alkaline batteries in comparison. But again, it can't be the ultimate power source if it doesn't work. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh dear. Not regular batteries, mind you. Alkaline. <laughs> Even better than Duracell batteries. Yeah. It's called Project Arturus. And from what we can tell, its ultimate goal was to render ZPMs obsolete. Oh, Cold Wars there as well. Yep. Zero-point module is an artificially created region of subspace time. It's kind of like a uh, miniature universe in a bottle. It, it extracts vacuum energy from this artificial region of subspace time until it reaches maximum entropy. Okay. <laughs> Project Arturus was attempting to extract vacuum energy from our own space time, making it potentially as powerful as the scope of the universe itself. This strikes me as something the ancients would have tried first, even before ZPMs. And they may have, but extracting zero point energy from our own universe is, well, it's uh, definitely trickier. Yeah, the ZPMs only work for a limited amount of time, while this technology. Infinite. Infinite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's probably why they never figured it out. Yep. <laughs> Be quiet, McKay. You know, John is supporting you here. Let, let him go on with it. Look, the ancients were losing the war against the Wraith when work on Arcturus began. If they could have made it work, it could have turned the tide of war. I mean, we're talking about their own Manhattan project here. Alex seems uncharacteristically happy. Mm. Well, yeah, what they've found here is beyond anything they could ever have imagined. Yeah, but he's usually either frustrated or ticked off in some fashion. I've never seen him so cheerful. Give him time. Yeah, well, they very rarely see eye to eye. That's one of the three they're normally bigger and against each other. The logs indicate there was a major malfunction. Well, yes, the ancients in the bunker were forced to shut everything down, including the weapon. The Wraith sent more ships, the Duranids got wiped out. Uh, and the uh, reference to the title there? Yeah, yeah. referred to that in the commentary as well. Mm-hmm. In the commentary, Damien would basically go, and this is kind of a uh, blah-de-blah-blah-blah mm-hmm. scene. Not as major as the Rodney. Compared it very much to a, a Star Trek episode. History would have played out differently on that planet, possibly in this galaxy. I won't deny that this is something that we'd dearly love to get our hands on, but the ancients were a pretty bright bunch. And desperate, and losing a war they'd already been fighting for 100 years. More importantly, they were, they were like this close. No, these super geniuses who came up with all the technology we are pretty much using at the moment couldn't figure this out, but I can. They mm. do. And the great thing about these sort of energy sources... You don't really have to control them forever, just long enough to put in a warhead. Yeah. <laughs> it's the military thinking. Well, like we've learned by now, the agents aren't quite as high and mighty as we once thought. Hang on, Rodney and Radnick are agreeing? Yeah, that's... Never, never a good thing. No, Rodney, Radnick and John are agreeing. Oh dear. <laughs> ah, so they're forming their own on the Holy Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. There we go. This whole montage was mostly ad-libbed. <laughs> Stick it in there. And we have a new scientist, Dr. Collins, played by Mark Porton. Green, that's been drafted in. He was in Stargate Continuum and two episodes of SG-1. Also been in Sight, Supernatural, John Doe and True Calling. Yes. 
you're a big strong man, you lift everything. I don't want to do it, but I'm heavy now. Hey! Oops. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> Who did that? Ready. What's <laughs> the twisty thing? Most of this montage is just to place Collins in this tunnel, so it mm-hmm. makes sense what he does next. That's it! They've got the complex back to where before to where it before it oh, to where before before it blew before it blew up. Please, please, please <laughs> leave that in. I'll even before, listen to check that you do. <laughs> so rare you manage to tie yourself in verbal knots to that extent. Please don't edit it out. Thank you. The barman got a credit, Mark Hopner. So the scientist, you said he was in continuum or Stargate continuum? Stargate continuum. So he wasn't playing the same role then? No. It was after this. A little bit of ominous music. Mm-hmm. Didn't last long. <laughs> Solon is played by Sean Campbell. He was in Man of Steel, Caprica, Tin Man and the Dead Zone. Solon? Also appeared in two episodes of SG-1 as different characters. Solon Sheena? Sounds about right. No, but there has to have been a Finnish influence on the script. Or a Swedish one, rather. Solon Sheena, phonetically, is exactly, in Swedish, sunshining. Ah, right. In the background there, that is uh, the German reporter Robert Vogel. Really? Yeah, he comes over to do uh, pieces for his, I'm not sure if his newspaper or TV. He's been in another SG-1 episode, eating a hot dog. I've heard of him. Yeah, talked about him before. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Survivors from Satida. few of us managed to make it to the shelters west of the capital. Over 300 civilians found their way there, too. When we emerged, we realized it was nothing to salvage, so we left. All of us. To where? Some came here, some went to Maneria. 300. Drink, Ronan, and rejoice. You're not alone, huh? Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah! Everything's been triple checked. That ladder is a health and safety risk. Yeah. Why, why is John wearing anti glare <laughs> goggles? Because he knows it's going to be bright. You'll see in a minute. Three. Two, one, march. Ooh, shiny. Mm-hmm. Right. And this I don't like about this episode. The cuts are so dramatic. Yeah, they seem to spend about the same amount of time on one side of the story and the other. Yeah, and they really don't mix very well. Mm-hmm. We've got the two bookends where the characters are, you know, crossing paths. Then it's very definite an A and a B story. Mm. And I say this is important. Martin Wood actually gave Jason a lot of credit for the scene, you know. He wanted to know how he should play it. And he left to Jason to figure out. And you watch his eyes as he learns about this bloke called Kel, mm. who he believed was dead. Yeah, you know there's something going on there. Yeah. Does it well. Yeah, he comes around now and then to trade weapons with the Belkins. He's got his own private army now. Is this Kel a friend? Oh, he's more like Ken. He was Ronan's taskmaster during his military training. There is no closer bond. Yes. None. To reunions. <laughs> to reunions. And the look in his eyes, now he's not smiling now. Yeah, oh yeah. Radek, talk to me. I'm picking up some minor power fluctuations. <laughs> minor. Chamber temperatures holding steady. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Then it goes again. Everything okay? Everything's fine. 
The uh, containment bottle was designed to automatically compensate for any sudden changes in energy output. This never happened in the simulations. Maybe we should abort. I said it's fine. Colin, see if you can boost more power to the field manually. You got it. Oh, that called me good. <laughs> that was a good, was a game. Yeah. Granted, those glasses don't look polarized or no, filtered, but. Just a brewery. Go on, Colin. Right, go, go on. on. <laughs> Collins, why don't we just put him in a red shirt and be done with it? <laughs> we'll save you a donut. You'll be back in a bit. Don't worry about it. Perfectly safe. Now, you'll be a donut. <laughs> Test firing. Mm. Whoa! Yeah. That can never be a good thing. Do not open this cover really? when the machine is operating. <laughs> you could argue there is a very good reason for having a health and safety department in any undertaking. <laughs> just to point out the obvious flaws. Yes, but if they're there, the rifle would have fed on them by now. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the plug out. Yeah. We should evacuate. Just, just give me a few seconds. We may not have that time. Isn't there a big red button? Wait, wait. Oh, there we go. It's stabilizing. Generator is offline. You've got a live feed in the background behind Zelenka. You can't really see much detail in it, but that is actually what the video camera is. Who is Colin? <laughs> He's just lying there. Collins. Collins? <laughs> oh no. Collins! <laughs> Crispy. Do you want fries with that? Yes, suddenly I feel hungry. I don't know why. Front two fingers look like they're fused together. Yeah. Is that a new stock footage shot? The pan up. Oh, we haven't seen that table for a while, have we? Another how HNS helps safety. But it was more than that. Aye, much more. To be honest, I have no idea what sort of radiation it was. I've never seen or heard of cellular decay this massive, not when exposure only lasted mere seconds. Yes, yeah, so it's probably because they're dealing with technology that's not only new to them, but also to the ancient. Yep. They didn't even put anything in their database. The fact that they're operating on a planet well away from any of the Roman settlements. All we know for certain was there was a massive power surge which in turn caused the containment field to expand asymmetrically in the direction of the command access tube. As to why... How about human error? I'd say run the error. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cold World's got a valid point and it has to be raised. Mm -hmm. If there's a big accident and it's human error, then you can do it again because there isn't a flaw in the fundamental aspects of it. Not at all, Doctor. I'm admittedly looking for a rationale that would allow Dr. McKay to continue his very important work. Is there something wrong with that? No. Collins knew the system just as well as any of us. He wouldn't have made that kind of mistake. Everything was going well. Everyone did their job. Think about it, Rodney. Human error, good. I don't know. In terms of physics, it shouldn't have happened. We're still analyzing the data from the accident. It's going to take time. What I do know is the device did what it was supposed to do. No, Rodney, it didn't. Well, apart from the obvious containment issues... It overloaded and you couldn't stop it. But we won't know for sure until we go back down there and try again. Try again? Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Rodney's feeling guilty because he essentially ordered the man to his death. It's probably the first time it's happened to him. Also the fact that it's a bit embarrassing because he thought he knew everything mm -hmm. about how this machine worked. Oh, by the way, Alan Hay tagged us in Follow Friday. Rodney, we don't even know what went wrong. Which is why we have to go back there. Or until the next episode when I'll forget about him. Ah, the old Star Trek reset button. But we knew when we came to Atlantis that we might encounter certain technologies which for the moment are out of our reach. It's not in this case. 
You have the data from your first attempt. You can run all the simulations you want. Come on, Elizabeth. You really think the military's going to let this go, huh? I mean, at the very least, we should be the first ones in there to spearhead the research. That's what this is about? You want to beat them to it? I'm sorry. The answer's no. Who were the military going to hire to do the job, Rodney? Think of your own opinion of yourself. There's only probably Sam. She'd probably take one look at it and think, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, so we get the first beginnings of the uh, egomania. Mm-hmm. Radek, we're backing down a bit. John, we're backing down a bit. This is a project that should take years. Yeah. Rodney pretty much wants to do it in a couple of days. You have a sister, don't you, Rodney? And she's as smart as you are, maybe. <laughs> How is she holding No, he's not. He's got a way or way, a factor of it. Three. It made more sense if she wheeled him in. <laughs> Just to stop the wobbling. <laughs> oh, if I have. Good night. Hello. That was me, said they night. I've always got the impression that Rodney could hold his ale. Yeah, one or two hundred, maybe, but... Yeah, but still, when he was running, he wouldn't have wanted to get too intoxicated in case he had to escape. So he probably hasn't had a decent drink in a long time. Yeah, yeah, could be. Sort of get immune to it if you drink a lot, but if you don't... That's it. After a trying day, the evening's calm. But McKay has other ideas. (laughs) Surprise. Harry K. Dalian. Who? Who's a scientist, worked on the Manhattan Project at Los Alamos. He's only 26 years old. Accidentally irradiated himself while performing a critical mass experiment on two half-spheres of plutonium. Took him a month to die. While his body was slowly shutting down from radiation poisoning. You know what he did with his last 30 days? Hmm? He worked. He tried until his last breath to understand what had happened to him so that others could learn from the tragedy. So that his work, his death, wouldn't be rendered meaningless. Oh, there's John's apartment, isn't it? I actually saw the documentary about that guy and the accident he had. Yep. It just shows you, you can think you know so much about what you're working on, but a little accident and then you're dead and you know it. Well, especially with radiation, it doesn't take much and yeah. there's nothing you can do. But even now, so many years later, fair enough, you might not have got in a position to be radiated in the first place, but still it happens and you got nothing. The ancients had it wrong. Our mistake was using their equations. Look, I just did the calculations again myself. I did them three times just to be sure, and I am positive the problem is in the automatic containment protocols. <laughs> that, I mean, what you said earlier, Brad, the ancients are pretty much all McKay's when you mm. get down to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They all think they're better than they are. And for every technology they perfect, so there's probably three or four that they don't, and they just leave around. Yep. And we stumble upon all of it. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> this is very well written for Rodney and John mm-hmm. and for the character development between them. Yep. No, I didn't say that, but I have the benefit of hindsight. They didn't. Look, this is big. This is the wheel, the light bulb, the hot dog. Big. Best case scenario, I win a Nobel Prize. Worst case scenario, we tear a hole in the fabric of the universe, which is much less likely to happen than the Nobel Prize. I mean, look. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big statement. Yeah, it is. I've never asked this of you before, but I think I've earned it. Trust me. I can understand the idea that, you know, a fresh perspective and a, you know, a different pair of eyes could probably spot something that people that were working on it for years may not. He just walked in there for a week and suddenly he thinks he understands how the entire system works. Yeah. Enough to even suggest that the ancient had it wrong when they've probably had years. Yeah, and like you said himself, it's theories that are beyond anything Earth science has ever dreamt of. Yep. Which again makes you wonder why he 
compares things to the physics we know when we've obviously seen things that are way outside our knowledge of the physics. This won't be up to you. This is another good scene for Weir. You know, she's facing down both the military guys. Yeah. Not to mention the pressure the IA must be putting on her too to make something of it. We can guarantee the same thing won't happen. <laughs> if McKay is that confident, I don't see why Confidence they don't... Confidence is not something Dr. McKay is in any short supply of. With good reason. If anyone can do this... The ancients could not do this. Also worth pointing out that that gong on the wall yeah. is never seen again in the show. <laughs> A little bit of trivia that they brought up in the commentary. <laughs> why are we mincing words, Colonel? You want the weapon. Yes. I do. A weapon that could effectively eliminate the raid threat is very attractive to me and to the people that I work for. I'm not hiding that fact. But there's more to it, isn't there? No more hunting for ZPMs. The shield at full strength, faster, more powerful ships. How about a power source that can provide the energy needs for an entire planet? No more fossil fuels. I get it. And if it worked as advertised, it would be wonderful. I'm trying to tell you, I know Roddy McKay, and there are times when I have to protect him from himself. We know they make mistakes. We've seen that before, but Cold Wolf's right as well. Mm. You know, the potential for unlimited energy. We've already seen what a ZPM can do to uh, the Daedalus. Mm. Well, that's it. You look back at all the projects we've discovered, and really only the DNA manipulation device near to use was the only one that really worked as it should. As opposed to the one in Red Dwarf? <laughs> oh yeah time device curry monster <laughs> <laughs> even Joe actually brought up the, the idea that he wasn't comfortable with John playing the scene like this why would John support Cold War mm. as he was told John is supposed to be military he would support this idea and he trusts McKay yeah. McKay's earned his trust over the year and a half they've been working together how about I carry out my plan and you keep the hot coffee coming so joking again right <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh dear. There is just a bubble smug around him. <laughs> Having two people, it seems a bit dangerous, especially when only one of them knows the technology even remotely well. Oh, it makes you wonder why there was 20 of them there bored of themselves just researching. Yeah. Colonel Shepard, this is Atlantis. Go ahead. Is Dr. McKay with you? Of course I am, but we're a little busy getting ready to run a test here. Actually, I would like you to delay the test firing. Why? We have reason to believe that the weapon's power source it may not be controllable at any power level. Radic? Rodney? Okay, we have been over this. I am doing this manually at half power. It's a cakewalk. I don't think it matters how much cake you walk on. I've been doing calculations of my own, and I believe the very act of trying to contain vacuum energy from our own space-time creates an environment where the laws of physics seeks to apply. What are you on about? Now, they should have done this before yeah. they let McKay go back. Yeah. Study the data, figure out what went wrong, then take the next step. Interacting with each other and with the field itself. Eventually, particles are created that cannot be predicted in this space-time. And they breach the containment field as hard radiation. Radic, have you seen which after you've figured it out, not before? Everybody's guilty of that, except Radic, who actually went and did his job. Hmm. <laughs> really? Could it be anyone? Yeah. It would either be him or Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, from our physics, 
is right. If you're running something that 50% power, it's 50% less likely to go bang. But the technology they're working with now doesn't work that way. Mm. Fine. Kill yourself, just like the ancients did. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean by that? I believe if the overload is allowed to continue, the weapon acts as a sort of release valve to prevent catastrophic containment failure. The ancients barely managed to shut it down and they lost their lives in the process. What we're suggesting is that the wraith didn't kill everyone on that planet, it was the weapon itself. It's like the uh, Hedron Collider times a million. This was another scene that they had to work on. Initially they had Radek going a little bit more excitable. But none of you are capable of understanding this on the same level that I do. And in Delica that includes you. Pull the plug, John. Pull the plug. Yeah, well you can. Or at least get in the jumper with the engines running. Because <laughs> if you try to climb all that ladder in a panic... Yeah, you're gonna... Who's been putting margarine on these rungs? Yeah. <laughs> Buddy hands. <laughs> yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure you're sure? I said yes! Because if you're wrong... I'm not! What else is Rodney gonna say at this stage? Mm. Even if he was remotely thought he was wrong, he wouldn't say it. John's putting his faith and his life in Rodney's hands. Call you back after the test. How does that sound? You better. I won't let you down. Damien pointed out that Brad Wright knew a lot more about the physics of this story than he did. Mm. And a lot of this was verbatim from his email. And we're back at the village. Boom. Yes, the bunting makes the village look totally different. We should really be getting back. Dr. Weir will be expecting us. Kel's here. What? He's meeting with Hendon right now. Someone just told me. I have to see him. And you would like me to arrange a meeting? <laughs> you think? No, you have kind of left a poor impression, Rodney. Rodney, Ronan, Word. I'm doing it now. <laughs> ah, three. I'll say about these villagers, they have a very good crop. There's some damn good-looking fruit in those baskets. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of it's out of props and it's all wax. I think we're ready for our test. Where do you want the weapon targeted? The debris orbiting the planet. Sounds good. Bringing the weapon online. Now. Oh, this is not a good idea. I hope the jumper was parked out of the firing line. By the way, why does the display in the screen act in English? Uh, because it's their laptops. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of the technology they brought with them. What's that? Energy surge, spine. I can regulate it. What's not? You said you could continue. The temperature inside the containment field is well within acceptable parameters. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. The ancients were running USB 3.0. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it is. Oh, no, no, it's higher. Uh, I'm getting red. I'm thinking we need to abort. I can compensate. Just give me a minute. It's overloading, just like last time. There is no logical reason this shouldn't be working. Okay? None of this should be happening. Look, the energy levels are spiking at a rate far greater than anything I predicted. Shut it down! There's 100,000 Kelvin, that's getting pretty hot. How is John supposed to be able to know that? Seriously. I respect John's intelligence, not to that level. That's the problem. That's exactly what the ancients were thinking when they died. Yep. This shouldn't be happening. We don't understand it, and that's at the core of the problem. Mm-hmm. This is the energy of the universe. It's beyond logical thought at this point. Good. Maybe the Ascended Agents could figure it out. I can't shut it down. Time to go. <laughs> panic, panic. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back at the village. Why did we go through a set of doors there? For no descended reason. So we're there, it looked good. Mm, we didn't really need that reveal, but anyway. 
and this was a scene that Martin uh, Wood, the director, again, had problems setting up. But he had to have Ronan in the shadows while he had to actually go behind the stairs so that when Kel walked in, he didn't spot him. Kel is played by Terry Howson. He's been in Friends, Continuum, the 4400. And I'll stop talking, because... <laughs> Taylor Amaga Navathos, thank you for granting us your time. Taylor thinks just a greeting. <laughs> if we are to trade, I would know all the members of your party. Of course. In fact, that is why we are here. <laughs> oh, great. Ronan. Hello, Kel. No hesitation. That's a negotiation tactic. Yeah. Ronan, what have you done? We all know who this man was. What he was. If anyone here believes he should be avenged. Here I am. That was actually Paul Mully's idea in the writing room. He said, wouldn't it be hilarious if Ronan just gunned him down straight away without bothering to talk to him? And you've got to admire Taylor. She's armed with a knife and all these guys are armed with uh, shotguns. From the looks of it, Janai shotgun. Hmm, indeed. Well, in the flashback, we also saw that dial of weapons. Mm. They have, there is a bit precedent for it. Oh, man, yeah. Maybe they traded. They're always free and open to trade the technology. <laughs> Me to murder an innocent man. And Jason wanted that to be a real knife for effect. <laughs> and here we get the story. Kel commanded several infantry divisions on Satita. And when the Wraith came, he ordered thousands to their death just to save himself. He was a, he was a traitor and a coward. My only regret is that his death was quick. He was not a good man, and the fact that his guards didn't avenge him underlines that fact. And the great thing is, Taylor is very much like Ronan. She un she understands this argument. In your place, I might have done the same. Quiet nod. See, she even said exactly that. But believe me when I tell you that the others would not. We must not speak of this when we return to Atlantis. It's why you'd watched the episode before. Well, it does help when you're talking about it. Our listeners would no. be upset if I started watching the episodes beforehand. It would spoil the dynamic. <laughs> You're going to feel the end of my stick. I'm glaring up at you. You understand. Now, if that weapon satellite had that firing rate, Atlantis would have been fine. Yep, yep, they learned from that one. <laughs> what was that? The weapon's discharging to prevent a catastrophic overload. Alright, that's it. We're out of here. No, you can't. Big sparks, big trouble, as they said in the commentary. I've waited too long. The weapon kick has charged enough power to avoid a catastrophic overload. This whole planet's gonna go up. Not that your speech wasn't working. Yeah, the weapon was very mm. effective. It not only killed all the wraith, but it carried on killing. <laughs> We're going, Rodney. Oh, finally! <laughs> it's as if he hasn't even listened to John. He said he was. That his speech wasn't working. They also originally planned to have the radiation being put out stall the jumper so they couldn't get the engines working. They eventually took it out. You know, they've got enough to worry about. Yeah. Sound like drones. And if you remember the Poland weapons platforms they had. Yep. How could one gun defend the whole planet? Mm -hmm. Well, how could one gun destroy the planet? Destroy a civilization? There's only so much range. 
probably the radiation wave that did that. Because there won't be a planet. We can't. Why not? Look, don't you understand? This explosion is going to take out three quarters of the solar system. There's no way we can fly far enough fast enough. We have to head for the gate. Down the gate. How do you intend to avoid getting hit on the final approach? I haven't figured that part out yet. I mean, this is the energy of the universe <laughs> being uh, ripped apart. The fact that they're into a huge mega black hole in its weight. Mm. Look at this, this is nice. Oh, that was yeah. This is expensive. It is. Compare this to the Empire Strikes Back when they were fleeing hot. Copy that, Daedalus. Stand by to engage sublight engines on my mark. Recommend you go into hyperspace as soon as we go through. It's gonna be a big bang. Understood. That's very, very close to the I gate. The gun. <laughs> Asgard shield. I tell you, shields, the key to everything. Yep. If your spaceship hasn't got shield, I don't care what you say, you're gonna die. Very nice. <laughs> I love the fact that you can hear him arguing. Yeah, through the whole scene. That is brilliant. Imagine how loud he is shouting through a closed door. That's it. Was it an ADR in afterwards or was that actually... Yeah, additional dialogue. 5-6. <laughs> Even he's still trying to defend it. Yeah, it was 5-6 of it. Yeah, not a quarter. <laughs> oh, Colonel. Colonel. I heard. Uh, here we go. Drop storms. Yeah. Basic body language. Does I deserve that? Look, I just, um, I wanted to apologize about what happened. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I, and I wanted to assure you that uh, I intend on being right again. About everything, effective, immediately. <laughs> He's trying to mend fences, but it ain't going to be that easy. No. That was a joke. Good one. I've already apologized to Elizabeth. And Raddick, and and I thank Colonel Caldwell for uh, caring enough to uh, spy on the experiment from orbit. Sent him a nice little email, actually. But I saved you to last because, um, honestly, I would I would hate to think that recent events might have permanently dimmed your faith in my abilities. And I hope you've written a letter to Collins's family. Mm. At the very least, I hope I can I can earn that back. His wife and his newborn, who he was going home to see next week. You can get on your knees and pray the ancients for the five-fifths of the solar system you just wiped out. But, I'm sure you can do it, if you really, really try. And look where John transports to. He doesn't even look, he just presses a button. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere but here. I'm going, anywhere but here. Yeah. You screwed up. You screwed up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Now, in hindsight, yeah. now that they know... Maybe a minor spoiler, but we know they go back to this technology later on in the series. Similar technology, not quite the same. Wouldn't it be quite effective to replicate it and set it down on a planet to destroy it? All you have to do is hit the go button and get out of there. And you know you're <laughs> going to take it. Imagine dropping it on the Anubis homeworld or something. You'll take him out. You'll probably suck him through the black hole somewhere else anyway. Problem with that, though, like I say, the technology that McKay uses in in the said episode actually breaks into another dimension whereas this used our own dimension to draw the energy mm, true. so actually building that machine to do it was easy whereas mckay just could not replicate that complex even if he wanted to and there's of course no design plans for it or anything and we know what the writers think of really useful technology it seems to only last one episode well that's it if you if you dream of something too good you've got to either find a way never to use it again or you're forced to use it. I mean, to bring up Star Trek again, they 
brought in the idea of those transports that can beam people across the galaxy. So what does that do for the next film? You know, the McKay part of the story, I really liked. Wasn't overly keen on the tailor, although there were some good moments. It always seemed a bit jarring when they jump from story to story. Mm, spend enough time on one or the other. Quite like the casual, hello, Kel, bang. Oh, yeah, well, that worked. <laughs> well, you'd know, you'd know seven years dealing with the Wraith that monologuing only gives you enough time to escape, whereas just mm-hmm. come out and shoot, he's going to be dead, he's not going to run away, I'll have a chance to run away. Didn't need an explanation, because he was there, he knew what Kel did on his home world. He also knows what happened to Cedar. There were no survivors left on that planet. He was betrayed not only by his uh, superior officer, but um, millions of people died. They would have died anyway, but when your hand has got the blood of your own people on, what more do you deserve? Mm. You know, when he was drinking with his mate, Dolan, he saw it in his eyes. He'd made up his mind that as soon as he'd seen him, he'd kill him. Yep. The story was written by Damien Kindler. He also wrote for SG1, where he wrote 16 scripts and worked on 10 others. He wrote three episodes of Atlantis and uh, worked on one other. Also created and wrote for Sanctuary. Martin Wood, the director, he uh, directed 47 episodes of SG1, 29 of SGA, 27 episodes of Sanctuary. He also worked on Cedar Cove and directed a few episodes of Primeval New World, which I have finally got around to watching. I was wondering where you were commenting. I was thinking, uh, oh, the new episodes. Did it get on cancelled? <laughs> It's just, no, it's just Mike has finally got around to watching it. Mike, you're almost at the Shane level of shows watching. I know. I'm trying to get through some, you know, especially series that have got only 12 or 13 episodes. Get them out of the way. I'm only starting to get around to Deadwood now, so. Yeah. <laughs> Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We've got a little bit of news and some birthdays and feedback this week. We'll kick off with the news that our own goddess Juan Braun will be appearing as the evil queen in Snow White at the Winchester Theatre Royal for the upcoming Christmas pantomime season. Panto runs from Wednesday the 11th of December to Sunday the 5th of January and tickets are now available. On the birthday list, the 18th sees Tim Gurney celebrate his birth. Tim played Tommin in three episodes of Stargate SG-1 and has guest starred on Revolution and many other shows in and out of the genre. On the 20th, it's Ming-Na Wen's birthday. She played Camille Ray in Stargate Universe and has guest starred on Eureka and has starred in ER, currently be seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. On the 22nd of November, Richard Kind has his birthday. A very popular actor and has appeared on two episodes of Atlantis and starred in Spin City and guest starred on Scrubs and Mad About You. Right, we have some feedback this week. First off, the feedback for the episode Beachhead. Gate Tech Alpha 6 posted, a real game changer. Daniel suspected how powerful the Ori were, but not many at the SGC or Homeworld Man could truly comprehend their power. Using a black hole to gate to a world and setting up a power absorption shield, the black hole then pulls the mass of the planet back through the active Stargate. Over a dozen small objects come through the Stargate and automatically travel into orbit, and come together to make a new version of the Stargate. Then there's a big problem with Valor's disappearance. When the planet collapsed, it was forming a singularity. Because the cargo ship was in place of the last segment, the gate couldn't dial the Ori galaxy, thus it never opened. Now we know a matter stream was detected leaving the cargo ship prior to the explosion, but since the gate never opened and the black hole seemingly formed and collapsed in on itself, the only place it could have gone is back to the Prometheus. Another episode where the ending seemed rushed and fell under the speed up plot dilemma. These problems aside, it was a great episode and great visuals, and always worth a rewatch. Adam Nelson replied, Based on some later events, I'm wondering how much Garrick knew during this episode. Brad Moore posted, Indeed, he did seem to know more. 
and thank you to Miles for the kind comments. And now we have some feedback from the episode Condemned. These were recorded uh, last week with Brad. Okay, we've got a few comments for Condemned. They're not actually comments for the episode, but for the pictures. I would be rather annoyed that the pictures got more comments than the episode, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to worry too much about that. It's all feedback. Watch this not long ago. Great episode. Who's that from? Dad from Lee Montgomery. Angela replied, favourite moment is when Shepard tries to break the stick over his leg. Yep, real tough. <laughs> and from Lee again, it wasn't a stick, it was a branch. Real funny. I replied, if the Islanders didn't have the guns, I reckon Ronan and co. could have taken them all. And from Luke Tullett, I think this episode gets a bit lost in season two because we never see this world again. And I think there's a reason why. <laughs> yeah, there is. I finished off, well, I guess as a beta site, it might have worked. No one left alive and a secure gate area. If the Wraith did wipe it out, well, you wouldn't think they'd return there any time soon, so it probably would make a good hour for a better site. Well, that was the argument the Jedi gave, wasn't it? The Wraith have already been here. You know, yep. As far as they know, they've taken everybody that were left alive. Yep. So we're perfectly safe. Although the only problem with that is there's no communication between all the hive ships. One group of Wraith might go there and feed, then another one might come at a later stage. We do learn that later on in the series. We always get a warm and fuzzy feeling when we get some feedback on the show, so if you'd like to send us something, then please do so. We'll endeavour to include it in the next show, or relevant show if that's more appropriate. You can email us, including an audio message, using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and we have groups and pages on both Facebook and Google+. You can search for us using generic Stargate, or more specifically Gatecast. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio, under Gatecast, and we simply swoon when we get an iTunes rating and review. They help the show get promotion on that service. Twitter seems to be popular, and you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. And finally, there is our main website, gatecast.co.uk, which has a variety of contact and links for keeping our Stargate family all together. Right, that's it. Let's wrap things up. That was Trinity. Excellent episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, uh, how do you pronounce it? It's French. <laughs> I have no idea. It's all on you. If it was the other way around, it, it would be... Uh, Dewey Machina, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just type it, Mike. I did five years of French in high school. X-Day Machina? X-Dayus Machina. I oh. wrote it down. So I listened to the commentary of the episode, and that's how they pronounced it. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> Depends if you're American or not. I mean, they would say Deus Ex Machina, but, uh, you know, they're uncultured as a rule. Well, they said Machina, so, mm. you know. Anyway, <laughs> hope you join us for that as well. When we get it recorded, because it ain't recorded yet. <laughs> you just need to cut and copy you saying it from here into the next episode. Just say it again. Yeah, but eventually everything falls into place. Have a good week. Hope you join us next week. Until then, uh, take care. I've been Mike. I've been Alan. And I've been Brad. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye-bye.